I said, I'm ready to preach if you're ready to receive. Got the oil. I've got all the oil I got, but that's enough. Amen? It's enough if you want. God has more than we could ask. In fact, Scripture says that. God has more than we could ever imagine, even ask, or even think about asking. And I'm asking him for a Pentecostal revival. We have to have another move of the Spirit. It's something that, you know, in my Sunday school class, we were talking about the history of the Simmons of God. You know what? I'm tired of talking about the history. How many know we need an up-to-date, brand-new spiritual experience with God? We need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so today, I just want to start a series on equipping the church for revival. And that's, I, I'm re- are you ready? Lesson number one, we're going to spark a fire in here. Somebody's going to get something. Anybody came to hear the word of the Lord? All right, well, 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. You remember that prophet? He was serving under Elijah. And whenever Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion, right, of what you got. And how many know the Holy Ghost came and gave it to him? When the mantle was dropped, it's imperative you get the heart of this message. We must pass a mantle to another generation. We have to have revival because there's a generation demanding it and a world that needs it so incredibly bad. So she comes to the man of God and uh, Elisha is saying, your servant, my husband is dead. Her husband just died and you know that your servant feared the Lord. He was one of the students in the school of the prophets that Elisha was teaching. He was in the school of ministry. Are y'all hearing me? He was wanting to be used of God. He was, a, he was a young man in a wicked world. I said, we need some young people to rise up in a wicked world and be called on to serve the Lord. And so he died. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. That's important. I underlined it because I want you to remember that. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you, lady? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing, but I love it. I love this. Look, I have nothing in my house but a jar of oil. Her husband left her a cruise of oil, a little jar of oil. I'm not certain what he wanted to leave that for her, maybe to use for healing and for the anointing of her children, or, or he used that to cook with. In that day, they used oil for a lot of reasons, right? And so that's all she had. But how many know the King James says that I have nothing in my house save a cruise of oil? How many know if you just got a little bit of the Holy Ghost, you got enough to get you through? Uh, I, don't, I think I better close in prayer and go home. Is this a Pentecostal church? If you just got a little bit of the Holy Spirit, how many of you got enough to get started with? In 1914, listen to me, 300 pastors got together and said, from this little group of people, we can change the world. And here we are, 68 million adherents later. How many of God used that church to start a fire that went around the world? And if God can do it in 1914, how many know he can do it in 2021? We need a generation to get the oil. Look at this. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and don't gather just 
a few. So I went all over the church. Mark and David helped me, the Julians. I got every vessel I could find. I got, I got this old big old gumbo pot, you know. How many know if you're going to get something from God, you might as well get the biggest vessel you can find. How many know whatever your faith be, so be it. If all you got is a little bitty tin cup, then that's all the oil you'll get. But how many is ready for the oil of God to be poured out in this house today? So I found all of them. Bring them all. He only had one stipulation. Just don't bring just a few. Get all that you can and bring it in to your house. So he, he said, don't just get a few. And when you come in, just the instructions, shut the door behind you. How many ready to shut the door and get involved with God? Anybody came today to shut in in the altars and call out to God for a revival? Shut the door behind you. You and your sons. And then I want you to take that little bit of oil you got, lady, because God, when he takes a little bit, how many know he can make much out of a little nothing? Take the little bit of oil you got and pour it into those vessels and, uh, and, and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Somebody shout, and her sons. That's very important to the message. And they brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. She poured the oil that she had in there. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full. She said to her son, bring me another one. And uh, and then he said to her, there's not any more vessels. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God again. And he said, go sell all the oil and pay your debt, and you and your son live on the rest. Right? That is the story of the word of God today. Are you ready? I said, anybody ready for a revival? I don't know. It's our first lesson. We'll see if you feel it. But the wife of a man, right, cried out to God. How many know the first, the first thing you need to do to have revival is call out on God? Elisha is just a symbolic person to go to. It's God that can bring revival. How many know it's the Lord that can bring a revival? Man could do so much. He inquired, uh, she inquired of Elijah, e- Elisha, and he said, what do you have in your house? She said, well, she said, well, I got to tell you my problem first. He, she's come to him with a broken heart. She crying. It means to, to weep uncontrollably, to shriek out of grief. She's wailing. She's moaning. It's a, it's a sound of a broken heart. And, and she finds him and tells him the story. My husband died. My husband died, and it, and it was unexpected, and the creditors are at the door to collect. Elisha was a prophet of God in a wicked world. Culture was just as wicked as it was when Gideon was there. You understand, we fast forward into the, to the kings, and Elijah, back in, in chapter 17, he met the woman at Zarephath. Remember that? God said, go to Zarephath after he dealt with the queen uh, and, and King Ahab uh, and Jezebel. And he finds himself at Zarephath, and a woman tells him that she's about ready to die. How many know this world is about there? Un, they, they, have, they have no resources. They're out of everything. They are, they are weak, and they're tired, and they're broke, and they're hungry. And she said, I'm going to grab two sticks. Remember, the lady of Zarephath, I'm going to grow two sticks, get a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, and me, I'm going to make a meal for my son, and, and then we're going to both die. That is the condition of this lady. In that culture, listen, in that culture, it was a custom. If your husband died, they could collect the debt by working your sons to pay it back. In other words, this was the time. The time had come. The deadline has arrived. The past due notices were already there. They had already knocked her door several times. The collector is pounding on the door, and her man of God is gone. That's how the story opens. 
It kind of parallels to our day, doesn't it? A wicked world we live in. And, uh, and we, we, need, we, we need revival in the church. I mean, we're living in a day in America where, where our, our widows and our children are struggling. We're living in a day where our families are suffering, where their economy is suffering. Our world immorally is going bankrupt. And so the story parallels. When you, when you say revival, many people have a different idea, but I believe it means a true move of the Spirit. How many know we need a true move of the Spirit? And the purpose of the message is to prepare and raise up an Elisha generation. A generation that followed after Elijah and said, whatever you got, I need. How many know this generation needs to feel the power of God they had back in the day? We can't talk about it anymore, the past experiences. We need an up-to-date experience where this generation can know what and feel what we have felt and known. It's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to raise up a generation and prepare them to know the power and presence of God. We need a true move of the Spirit. So here's the deal. The creditors are knocking at the door. They want her two sons to work as slaves to pay the debt. That's the, that's the ultimatum. You find the debt, lady, and pay it, or your sons are going to go work it off. So she goes to her man of God. She cries out, overwhelmed and helpless because of the demands of the day. You know, as a pastor, I feel that way. I don't know how you feel. But I believe that our day, the day we live in, the last days, it demands the church to have revival. I said, I don't think this is the day to be half backslidden and half-hearted or cold and lukewarm. How I many know oh, this is the day to get on fire for God? I'm not talking about one week or one weekend at women's or men's or youth or children's camp. I'm talking about a daily flow of the oil of God in our altars, in our spirit, in our church, in our homes. We need revival. Because the world demands it. Not only that, our kids demand it. Elijah said, what's in your house? The first thought this morning is the miracles in your house. We keep waiting. We keep waiting for this or that to happen. I mean, no, it's already there. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. The Holy Ghost is in you. I mean, no, that's the hope we have. We have treasure in earthen vessels. These are just empty vessels. How many know it's what's inside of you that is going to give you the power to make it in this country? And many of our churches have decided to relegate the power of God or the Holy Spirit or the experience of tongues into some other room, in the back room somewhere for fanatics. How many know this is not a fanatical, emotional experience? This is a powerful, supernatural experience. The Holy Spirit is the only thing we've got to propagate the gospel for the rest of our existence. The church doesn't have it, Max. We're in trouble. Dark days are ahead. Is anybody here in the preacher today? She had a debt she couldn't pay. It's kind of like the friend that called in to work. He said, boss, I've used up all my sick days. I'm calling in dead. Can I tell you how our culture is right now? They've used up all their sick days. They're calling in dead. There's a dead church on every corner. I mean, it's time for the Holy Ghost to move in our church. It's time to us to call on God and cry out and weep between the porch and the altar and say, Lord, we're desperate for our move. Our children are desperate for our move. We need it. It's not a luxury. It's not a, it's, it's not a denomination. It's, it's, it's power of God in you. And all the notices are up. Amen. She had a debt she couldn't pay. And I'm sure she had been visited a number of times when the warnings were on the door. 
If your husband died, they could collect the debt. Your sons have to pay it. Time to come and get your children. The collector is at the door. I don't think y'all are hearing me. The enemy is at the door of your home. And you better put the blood over the doorpost. I said the death angel is coming in. The collector is knocking on the door. I want you to pay me. You owe me. How many know America's theme is you owe me? And the devil's right in it. You owe me this and you owe me that. And I'll take it out on your kids. If we don't care, if we don't take care of our debt, I mean, our kids are going to suffer. Come on. I wish I had some Americans that believe the Bible. Our kids, the debtors, the creditors, they're coming and knocking on the door. And the story parallels with us. But I believe God's going to give us a true move of the spirit. Amen. We can't be satisfied any longer. We, 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 we live in a day where revival is no longer de- desired. I mean, you hardly have revivals. You hardly have evangelists. And we're too busy. I said, we're too busy. We want to, we take our, our three days. We used to have, we had month long, two month long revivals, went down to a week or two week long revivals, then went down to three days, Sunday through Wednesday. And now we're lucky to have that. Why? Because people are content to live without it. They're too busy. I want to ask you this morning what the man of God asked you. What's in your house? What's in your spirit? You are the temple of the living God. Is there any hunger? Jesus said, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. And if there's any church that wants to have the Holy Spirit moving, they can have whatever they want. And that's what he was telling her. It's no longer an option to believe in miracles exist. Can I tell you? Just to get your family to heaven is going to take a miracle. I said, it's going to take a miracle just to do something with your own family, to hold your marriage, to stay together. These days is a miracle. So natural help won't get it. Natural help is not going to get it. I thank God for counselors and pastors and churches. Thank God for doctors and medicine and all that. But I know we need a move of the spirit. I said, we need one more time to hide under behind the cross, under the pulpit, and ask God to show up. Because some of the things we're going to face, preacher can't fix. The banker can't fix. I said, I don't know if you're hearing me today. These days of Monday church, mundane church is over. And the demand for revival has come. It's like this. Either we have revival or we die. That's the condition of this widow lady. She goes to the man of God and said, hey, this is it. This is it. I, I, I have creditors knocking the door. I'm overwhelmed. I'm hopeless and helpless. And I've got two boys and I can't do this. Women in that culture, they were already oppressed. How many know the enemy was already pressing them? And, and it was probably oppression of her husband uh, who was a school of the prophet. He was going, are y'all hearing me? I mean, oh, there's oppression come from our culture against the church. You haven't even seen anything yet. I mean, oh, there's a day coming where they're going to press the church and the people of God and the leaders of God. And so we cannot hold back any longer. The enemy is coming to collect. The creditor is ready to take your kids as slaves. He's saying, I want your family. I want your home. I want your marriage. I want your kids. I want it all. And whatever's in your house, I want it. You owe me something. The devil is a liar tell you what i owe max i owe god i mean glad jesus saved you is there any debtors in here that oh god i owed a price i couldn't pay he paid a price he didn't know does anybody here glad for the awesome grace and love and mercy of god
If we're debtors, we're debtors to God. And Paul said that. He talks about being a debtor. He said, because of what Jesus did to me and in me, because of the impact of the gospel made on my life, I'm a debtor to God first, and then I'm a debtor to Timothy. I said, we need to help this generation. They need to feel. They need to experience. They need to know. The timidity of the little Timothys running around, scared at the bark of the devil and the culture. How I many know greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world? There's no reason to be afraid. This is not the time to be scared and hiding. This is the time to rise up and say, our God is God, and we're going to see a revival. Say, Pastor, why are you getting so emotional? I ask you, why are you not getting emotional? I'm a debtor to God. I'm a debtor to the next generation. Paul says we owe the next generation something. The demand that we give them Jesus. They demand we give them the Holy Ghost. They demand we give them a church on fire. What are we giving this next generation? If all they're seeing is your actions, is the Elisha generation looking at you saying, I want what you got? Are y'all hearing me today? Elisha said something about you, Elijah. I know you're about to get out of here, but I want what you've got. How many know that needs to be the magnetic attraction that this generation has to a Pentecostal church? They demand we give them Jesus. The hurting are demanding that we give them healing. The broken are demanding and saying we, we need wholeness. How I many know we need to get the Holy Ghost back in the church? The bound are saying we need deliverance. The oppressed are saying we need freedom. And the lifeless, dead religious folks are coming to church and saying we need revival. We need it. It's not a luxury anymore. It's not a choice. The song leaders shouldn't have to conjure you up. Come on, sing it again, sing it again. You ought to be walking through the door full of the Holy Ghost, prayed up, packed up, and ready to go up. I mean, you shouldn't have to have anybody motivate you. Nobody should have to sweat and scream and run and shout. You ought to be, we ought to be trying to stop you instead of trying to start you. It's a big, it's a big day. I had church when church was church. I said I was there. How many was there when church was church? Man, you didn't have to hardly do anything. Right now you got to stand on your head and hop on one leg just to get an amen. I mean, oh, this ain't Branson. We're not here to entertain you. We need revival. We need revival. I said we need revival from head to toe. We need revival deep down in our soul. And the world is ready to die like this widow. But the church may be fully alive. Let me ask you, are we praying? Are we paying that debt? Are we ready to pay that debt for the next generation? Are you ready to hemorrhage so the next generation can at least bleed? They're watching us. I said they're watching us. You know what? They're not only watching us, church. They're watching the world. And they're seeing power in the supernatural evil world. And it's attractive to them. They're mesmerized by Batman, Spider-Man, Uncle Sam. I mean, I think they ought to be mesmerized by the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on now. How many God got, God's got power that, that the, that the flesh and the world don't know nothing about. But if we don't experience that, it's all I got. All I got in my house, the lady said, is this a little bit of oil? Elisha said, that's good, lady. That's a good place to start. I don't know where you are spiritually, but how many know if you just got a little bit left? How many know you're ready to start the fire? I I said, how many know it doesn't take much to start a fire? 
I've seen churches start fire in bear in the youth group. The youth got on fire, so the church got on fire. I've seen the women's group get on fire, and the people got on fire. I've seen the men of God get on fire, and all of a sudden, everybody got on fire. This ought to stir your heart, mom and dad. I said, parents and grandparents, this ought to move you to an altar to say, God, help us. So Elisha asked her, how can I help you? Your answer will never be found outside the church. It's in your house. Somebody shout, it's in the house. It's in the house. The answer for America, for your freedom, for your economy, for your family, for your home is not going to be found outside the house. It's not at Harvard. I said, it's not in the White House. Come on now. They don't have a clue. They don't even have a clue. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat or Independent. None of them have a clue. We need to get into God's house, not the White House or the schoolhouse. Hey, how many know there's a lot of schools trying to put God out? They don't even want our kids in school, much less God in the school. And they're killing our babies every day. We went to the pregnancy care center banquet last night. How many know that in our city we're rescuing babies? We're seeing babies saved. Some 10,000 since some 10,000 babies are born and living today because we have a city who cares about the unborn. They don't have a voice. I said they don't have a voice. This generation doesn't have a voice. We need to be the voice. Not the voice of reason. Not the voice of intellect, but the voice of the Holy Spirit burning in our hearts. In other words, God has an answer. And they obviously don't have a clue anywhere else. It's in the house. I wish somebody helped me preach today. It's in your house. It's in your house. It's in you. Remember Moses when he called, God called him. And he said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Remember that? And Moses said, oh, I got this hollow stick. This staff, amen. I'm not saying my staff is hollow. I'm glad our staff's filled with the Holy Ghost. That's all I got is a staff. It's an empty stick. It's a hollow stick. I mean, oh, God can take something that's natural and fill it with the supernatural. He said, that's all I need. He said, Moses, throw that thing down. I'm going to fill it with God. And everywhere you go, you put that rod out there, that staff out there, and watch me do my work. I said, come on now. We believe in the power of God, not by might, but by my spirit. Zechariah 4, 6. The Simmons of God and Pentecostal Evangel had that in the left corner for, uh, I don't know, 70 years, 80 years. We took it down. We don't have it anymore. Got to go online and search for it. But I'm telling you right now, we need the power of God. I said we need it. We need to sing about it. We need to preach about it. We need to talk about it. I want you to look a little closer here. Does anybody have what I'm saying? Anybody hear what I'm talking about? What's in your house? We need to act like we believe. The widow got involved in the process. Her response to the question was, nothing is in my house. Look at this a little closer. Except a little bit of oil that was passed down from my godly husband. Hallelujah. Can I say, sir, you got something for your wife. It's got to be power of God if you're going to lead a home today sir you better have the power of God if you're going to lead your children mama you better have the power of God I said the school's influencing the world's influencing everywhere they go they're being influenced online on TV in the movies in Hollywood I mean oh somebody's got to take over the house 
if the house goes, how many know the church goes? And if the church goes, there goes the community. And if the community goes, there goes the world. The reason I think there's any blessing left on America is because she selfishly gave herself to the rest of the world. Another reason maybe is because she's in partnership with Israel. How many know if you tie up with Israel, you're going to be all right? Anybody believe in the old Zion house? The old place where God's coming back. You mess with God's people, you mess with the wrong people. From 1948 or any other war that's going on. How many know little old Israel, a little old plot of land in the Middle East is always on the upper end. They don't have to have all the military might. They have the might of almighty God on their side. And if America goes against them, how many know we really are in trouble? So the lady began to empty her house. Somebody shout empty the house. He said, I don't have anything in my house. But she was empty in her house, okay, because she was selling everything she had to take and have survival. It's revival or survival. I mean, that's it. Revival for survival. She's selling it all. She sold her cattle. She sold her everything that her husband had. He left her all that he could. But the problem is, I want you to see this. She said, I have nothing left save a pot of oil. You understand that our problem is not the absence of oil. It's not the absence of oil. I said, it's not the absence of oil. You remember the parable of the ten virgins? Five wise and five foolish. What happened to the foolish ones? They ran out of oil. They ran out of oil. But they still had oil that they could get. Is anybody hearing pastor preach today? They could still go to the store and get oil. Oil never runs out. How many know God has an unlimited supply of the Holy Ghost? They didn't run out of oil. They ran out of time. And when the bridegroom came shouting at midnight, they wanted to go get oil, but the stores were closed. And they asked those five wise virgins, could they have their oil? And they said, you better leave me alone. Talk to the hand because the ears are not listening. How many know what God has for me is for me? Something about the Holy Ghost, I can't give it to you. You've got to cry out to God for your own supply. You got to go and borrow some vessels. I don't think I'm preaching to anybody today. The second thought is not the problem of the absence of oil, but the, uh, but the adding everything else to the house except the oil. That's the problem. We got churches in the assemblies of God adding everything on Sunday morning to try to entertain the saints and they're bypassing the only thing that can make a difference, which is the power of God. They got lights and flash in the pen. They got everything. They got coffee in the foyer, donuts in the back room, grapes and chili and anything you want. But they don't have God. And the way are we going? We need the power of God. I don't need any more donuts, obviously. I said, I don't need any more donuts, obviously. The other day I gave, Hudson came to the house and I gave him two donuts. I'm still in trouble for that. Because I just gave it to him at lunch and went to work. Miss Melissa, that's probably why she's not here today. She's sick, running herself ragged. That kid was running up and down the walls everywhere. I gave him two chocolate-covered donuts with cream fill. I blame Terry Rupert for that. But I got in trouble. But he loves Poppy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> the oil, the oil, the oil. So you got to understand this. Come on, church. We've got some oil here. We have oil in the house for sure. The problem is not in the oil, but in the priority. It wasn't the prophecy. It was the priority. 
Because he could have prophesied and said, lady, go home. Everything's going to be all right. He said, no, 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 no. Take that little bit of oil you got, and I'm going to help you. She began to empty the house to pay the collectors. Her kid's life was on the line. The oil represents the Holy Spirit, of course. And when we get to the place where all we have left in the house is oil of gladness, I mean, we're on our way to revival. But if we go and start adding everything else, adding stuff, telling, telling us that uh, priority is, is out of whack, cluttering up the house of God with gimmicks and fads as if the, as if the lost are sideswiped, as if the world is stupid. How many know the world's not stupid? They look right at the church. They're saying to some of our churches, you're just as lost as I am. Why should I come into your house? Your house just as confused as my house. Are y'all hearing me? How many thinks the church needs to rise up and set themselves apart for the work of God? There ought to be something different between the church and the world. There should be something different about this gospel and this Jesus as opposed to every other gospel and every other Jesus. You can't sideswipe the lost. I said they're smarter than that. It's an insult. It's seeker sensitive. You listen to me. They're not ignorant. They know what they can do. And if you allow them to get away, get away with foolishness, they're going to get away with it. You got to preach the truth. You got to tell them where their real source is coming from. It's coming from the Holy Ghost. Is anybody glad for the Holy Ghost? So forget the gimmicks and getting God in the house is the important thing. Forget the fads and get the fire. Amen? Get rid of the fire. Too many programs overpower. We try to do it with, uh, without the Spirit's help. It's time to remove less important things. I'm about to get real here. You, you, you need to get rid of your rod and reel and get the Holy Ghost oil. I said, let me keep shooting. You need to get rid of your, your bass boat and, and get the Holy Ghost oil. Get rid of your golf clubs and get the Holy Ghost oil. Well, let me just keep shooting because it ain't working. You see, the lady said, you know what? I sold everything. I'm down to nothing. I mean, oh, God loves to get you where he needs you, where you're down to nothing but God. And when he gets you there, like Gideon, with only 300 men, I mean, oh, that's the place he wants you, right? So she had emphasis on the right thing. She emptied the house but kept the oil. It's not about prophecy. It was about priority. So the next thing he did said, go borrow vessels. Go borrow vessels. That's what I did. I went and borrowed vessels, right? I'm hitting it, Ethan, but it ain't happening. It doesn't want to respond to me. Make it happen. There you go, buddy. Go borrow empty vessels. The prophet's emphasis was on the empty. No limits on the amount. You can have as many as you want. No limits on the amount. You can have as many as you want. But she went in. She borrowed. Can you imagine this lady going to her neighbors? Say, howdy, neighbor. Said, could I have any vessels you have in the house? We said, what are you doing? Um, no, nah, I'm sure the man of God said, get vessels. So can I have your big ice bucket? Yeah, I just, I just need anything to hold oil, okay? Just give me what you got. Give me the BGMC buddy barrel can. I don't care what you got. Just give me anything you got. Give me a box. Give me a, it doesn't matter what shape it is, how big it is, what color it is. I mean, no, race has nothing to do with the power of God. Our world is telling you everything is racism. How many know everything's not racism? Everything is sin. Sin has caused our problem. Hate has caused our problems. How many know it's Holy Ghost that can fix it? I said the Holy Ghost will help you love somebody. It's the oil of gladness. It's the oil of love. It's the oil of healing. It's the oil of, of hope coming back into your house that'll take care of the issues of our city. 
Go find vessels, a specifically empty ones. Empty ones. It must be empty. The only qualification is emptiness. Because God doesn't need full or satisfied vessels. You remember the feeding of the 5,000? They were hungry. They were empty. They had no food. Jesus said, go feed them. He, how many know he supplied it just like this story? He took the fish and the bread, which was not enough. And every time he put his hand, the disciples put their hand in that basket, out came some fish and out came some bread until 15,000 people were fed. Same thing going on here. All you need is a little bit of oil because every time they pour it into, we're going to pour in here in just a minute. How many ready for the Holy Ghost to be poured into your spirit? All he needs is an empty vessel. If you're full of stuff, you need to start emptying your soul and cry out to God and say, Lord, I need you. I need you today. Empty me from me. Empty me from culture. Empty me from society. Empty me from a selfish attitude. Don't bring a vessel that thinks that because they're full of stuff that they're full and and, and they don't need anything. He wants empty vessels, not a few. We used to sing it. Bring your vessels, not a few. Fill them up. And Elisha left. And the lady went and found him vessels, knocked door to door. He said, but I want you to see this because it's alarming to me. A little thought to hear that. Interesting. When a vessel was full, he said, look at verse 4. Put it to the side. Oh, that scares me. How about you? He said, if you fill up the vessel, if it's full, just put it to the side. Just put it to the side. All I want, he said, is empty vessels. I can't feel full vessels. He said, I just want empty ones. When you get a full one, put it to the side. Let me tell you, Oak Grove. If we're not going to get full of the Holy Ghost, don't build no building over here. Is anybody hear what I'm saying? We better start knocking the door. We better start asking people to come into this house. Empty vessels, broken vessels, confused vessels, vessels that God can feel. Because if we're full, he's going to put us to the side. I don't know what that does to you, but Max, that alarms my spirit. I don't want to be put to the side. I said, we didn't come 75 years down the road at Oak Grove Assembly with a Pentecostal heritage environment and then for us to put it to the side. How many believe there's more work to do at Oak Grove Assembly of God? It means we can never approach God with an attitude that I'm full. I have no desire. I have no need. I'm so full of God, I don't need him anymore. My life is fine. That's a church without revival right there. I'm good, pastor. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? I don't need anything. No, 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 no. If you're full, I say empty yourself. Empty yourself. Let me tell you what. If you will empty yourself, how many believe God will fill you again? Go ahead, empty yourself. See, what I see. God fills you. You empty yourself out to a lost world, and you put the vessel back to God. He fills it again. Amen? You're always continually being filled with the Spirit. You're never just sitting there full, fat, and satisfied. This will preach in a Pentecostal church. So I say make room for more of God. Amen? God will set you aside if you don't. You're supposed to stay hungry. People can be in church with a full mindset. I've seen it all. I've found it all. I know it all. Yeah, if that's the way it is, pride will get in your heart, and God will set you aside. Do I know some churches in the Assemblies of God so full they don't have room for one more person, but the Holy Ghost ain't nowhere to be found. So I'm asking you today, what are you full of? Hmm. Keep preaching before you get in trouble, Pastor. I'm saying the full ones he set aside, and he anoints an empty one. 
He says, the sick that need a physician. I'm coming for the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel, right? I'm coming for those that need a physician. And so as long as there were empty vessels, there was oil. Are y'all hearing me? When it was full, when the boys brought the last vessel, said, give me another one, said, there's no more, mama. The oil stopped flowing. That's why I put so many vessels up here. I wanted to fill up the whole platform, but David and Mark was getting tired last night. I wanted vessels all over the place. I wanted, I mean, we need empty vessels all over this house so God can fill it. Never let the oil stop. God's not looking for important people. He's looking for humble people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. The kenosis, the kenosis over there when Jesus emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Empty yourself. Somebody shout, empty me, Lord. It's important that you get this. I wonder if you have any more room for oil at Old Grove. If you have all that you want, Old Grove, don't start building nothing. Because we'll have other buildings just sitting here rotten. If we don't go out and tell our neighbors there's oil. I said, Billy Graham used to say, all I am is one beggar telling another beggar where they can find some fresh bread. Amen? We got to know that God can pour out his Holy Spirit. And also he can take the Spirit right out of the auditory. He can take it out of this sanctuary right now. He can take it out of here. And a generation that we have, our own children and grandchildren, won't see the power of God. That's what happened in Joshua's day. So I'm asking you. Don't let God put us aside. Find people and cry out to them. Look at the church at Laodicea. As long as they had vessel, there was oil. Church at Laodicea. And to the angel of the church, are you seeing this? These things says Jesus, the amen, the faithful and true witness. How many love Jesus? The beginning of the creation of God, Jesus. I know your works. He knows who we are, Old Grove, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich. Look at this. This is why. Right here, Mac. Look at this. Because you say, I'm rich and I'm full of goods and I have no need of anything. Do you not know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? I mean, we're deceiving ourselves if we're thinking we're somebody. The only, only body we are is the body of Christ. And how many know without the Holy Ghost, the body of Christ can't function? We need the Spirit of God to fill this house, to empower us to reach a generation for God. That's what I'm talking about. If you got anything else, thank God. But the final thought today is the widow made it a priority to involve her kids in the process. She got her kids involved. The man of God said, go borrow vessels, not a few. Make sure they're empty. And when you get home, oh, just shut the door behind you. You and your boys. She got her kids involved. How many know this widow was smart enough to know if my kids don't get in this, they'll never propagate the gospel. I'll never have any land left. I'll never have any home left. There will be no Oak Grove in 75 more years if we don't keep the fire of the Holy Ghost burning. I love the way y'all are helping me today. God will set you to the side. You have to get these kids involved. If you don't go get vessels, a creditor is going to take your children as slaves. So make involvement of the next generation a priority. If if you don't get involved in the flow of the oil, kids, in the house of the Lord, we won't see revival. If the kids in children's church don't get the Holy Ghost, we won't see a revival. If the youth, Pastor Bear and Ruth, if they don't get it, we won't have a revival. 
Taylor, Chris, if the young adults don't really get in and stop talking about God and start experiencing God, I mean, you can have the, the Bible till you're fat and, you know, all stuffed up, but if you're not doing anything for God, how I many know it's not going to really help you? That's why in June we're taking our kids on a missions trip. Oh, y'all missed a good time to shout right there. We got the pipeline going down to our children. You know why? Because the world, the scum of the earth, the world, the culture is blasting them with filth. How I many know it's time for the church to blast them with the oil of God? It's time for us to get them on the platform, not the stage. How I many know the world has a stage? The church has a platform. The world has an auditorium, but the church has a sanctuary. How I many know there's a big difference? We're not here to be seen. We're here to take a generation on another level to say it's all about you taking this gospel to the world. Our kids. It's all wrapped up in our children. Our children's going to lead us. I know churches right now that don't want to have any young people in their church. They don't want any young people. They Get rid of all the young people. They don't pay no tithe anyway. Let's just take the old people. They got the money. Let's just keep the old people. Young people too loud anyway. They don't want anything. They want to darken out the lights. And I mean, no, they got something to offer. This next generation has something to offer to the world. I don't care if the lights are on or off. I mean, no, they have to have the power of God. And you can darken the lights, but the light of the gospel should be shining right in your light, in your heart. I said, the kingdom is in you. It's in your house. It's in this house. And as pastors these days, we work real hard to bring a balance between the generations. I said, we work real hard at keeping the main things, the plain things, and the plain things, the main thing. We need the oil. I said, we need the blood. I said, we need the cross. I said, we need Jesus. I said, we need the word of God. We need the altar. Is anybody hearing me today? And so if our, ki- children, our kids or children or youth or young adults are not engaged, what's wrong? We got to get them in there. So she got those two boys. And they went oh, neighbor to neighbor, got all these vessels. I got 10 minutes. Got all these vessels. Shut the door behind them. What does that mean? That means, that means boys, get in here. We're going to get serious about God. The man of God and your daddy gave us this is all I got left. This is all I got left in my name. I mean, there's a lot of things I got rid of because I don't need cows and I don't need uh, fluff and I don't need stuff and I don't need lights and I don't need sound and I don't need cushion and I don't need air conditioning. But I do need the Holy Ghost. So here it is. And, and then boys got the pots together and say, okay, mama, fill this one. And that little old cruise of oil, yeah, you just, it takes a long time to fill this ice bucket with this much oil. How many know the miracle is in the miracle worker? Elisha, the man of God, wasn't even there. And those kids with their mama, the kids brought the one vessel to the mama. Mama filled it up. The kids brought another one. Here you go, mama. Mama filled it up. How I many know oh, your kids need to be involved in the church? And if your kids on Sunday morning are looking at you and saying, Mama, are we going today? How I many know oh, you already messed up? There shouldn't be any doubt in your kids' mind. Nobody's helping me preach. I'm going to preach a little longer. If you don't give me an amen, I'm going to keep on preaching. If your kids have to ask you if we're going to church, you already messed up. 
You already, they're watching your actions. If you don't make church a priority, they're not going to make church a priority. If you don't go to the altar, they're not going to go to the altar. If you don't give in the offering, they're not going to give in the offering. It's a generation watching you. So be careful, seniors, before you attack this young generation that you think may not be doing much and you don't trust them with much. They might just be acting like their parents and their grandparents. Don't criticize your kids too quick. They might just be acting like you. Revival is not just to see drug addicts come to Christ. That's part of it. I mean, revival is about keeping our own kids off drugs. It's going to come in your house. I said, the creditors are going to knock on your door at your house. They're looking for the lost. They're looking for the people in the church. That's why they went to the prophet of God's house. Studying for the ministry. I mean, oh, there's a target on your head. If you're a God-fearing, God-loving person. And there's a target on your kids' heads. If you're a leader in the church, I promise you there's a target on your head. Oh, yes. They're going to come after your kids. He knows where it hurts. Rick, he knows where it hurts. If he can't get you, he's going to try to get your kids. The devil tries to take the youngest. You remember that? Winky Pratney many years ago wrote a book, Devil Take the Youngest. He's over there in the nursery right now. Starts young, my friends. Starts young. You know why? Because in school, they're starting young. You understand that? Changing the Constitution to make it look like something. Redefining church. Redefining the family. Redefining the family unit. How many know it's a a slow, subtle attempt to confuse a generation that don't even know their own identity? But can I just tell you who they are? They are God's people. They are the prophetic people of God that Joel prophesied. He said in the last days, I'm going to pour the oil of the Spirit out and my sons and daughters are going to prophesy. That's who they are. They are going to be Pentecostal prophetic boys and girls and young people who are going to take the reins of the church and lead us into the next 75 years. Listen, in just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate 75 years. And it's not because we want to show off that we're full. Because if we're full, God will put us aside. What I plan to do, oh, Grove, are you with me? In just a few weeks, we're going to empty ourselves at the altar and say, God, fill us again for another 75 years of ministry. Fill us again, Lord. Otherwise, the oil's going to run out. And if the oil runs out, Max, we got a house, but we have no worship. Remember Ezekiel? Ichabod was written over the door. And the glory of the Lord departed. Remember David? Even in David's sin, he had enough sense to say, God, forgive me. Create a right spirit in me. Renew me. And what? Most importantly, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's pastor's prayer. So she had to get her kids involved. Greediness kills revival. I love this story before I close here. A little girl went to the country store with her mama. And after mama bought something, the clerk asked the little girl to help herself to the candy. Remember that back in the day? You can get free candy. I mean, that day's long been gone. Well, the little girl, uh, you know, the man said, take a handful of candy. She held back and the clerk said, what's the matter, lady? 
little girl. Don't you like candy? She nodded and said yes, and he smiled. So the clerk put his hand in the jar and dropped a generous amount into her bag. And on the way home, Mama said, hey, honey, why didn't you take the candy when the man asked you to? She said, because, Mama, I saw that his hand was bigger than mine. All I'm trying to tell you, Oak Grove, is that God's hand is bigger than mine. I said, this world can throw at us whatever they want. And I don't want to reach in and take anything. You can't manipulate revival. You can't force revival. You can't make revival happen. You can't duplicate Pensacola or the Welsh revival or the early Azusa Street revival. But you can empty yourself and cry out to God in desperation and say, God, fill us again. One more time, Samuel, uh, Samson said, one more time, Lord, even in my death, if you'll just touch me one more time, we can save Israel. We can save a generation. So if our kids don't get in the ball, in the flow, listen, God gives you what you need for his hands are bigger than ours. If your kids don't get involved, something's wrong with this picture. We'll lose a generation. The option, slavery. That's the option. It's revival or slavery. Our kids are going to have to work off the debt that we're leaving them. Is that what you want for your kids and your grandkids? You want an Assembly of God church here? I mean a real Assembly of God church. Some churches don't even want Assembly of God on the name today. I don't think y'all are hearing me. I'm glad for our roots. I'm glad for a hundred years we held tight to the Pentecostal message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad we still preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. I said, I'm glad we still stay toe to, toe to the word of God and preach the cross and preach righteousness and holiness. Yes, yes, we're compassionate. Yes, we want broken people. Yes, we want hurting people. Yes, we want empty vessels, but only for one reason that God might fill them. That's what we want. So this miracle's under the roof, this roof. That's the key to keeping revival. Keep your kids in the ministry. If we want them in heaven, stay in the house. If you want your kids in heaven, stay empty. Stay hungry. Stay engaged in worship. Stay engaged in the word. Put your telephone down, your cell phone down, and pick up the word of God. Listen in church. Make sure your kids are online, on time, in the word of God. Make sure when there's discipleship going on in youth or young adults or children, bring your kids to everything. One friend of mine said he was drugged when he was a kid. He was drugged. He was drugged to church. On Sunday, he was drugged on Wednesday night. He was drugged to church on Sunday night. He was drugged. I mean, that's the kind of drugs you want your kids on. Stay on fire. The creditor can't collect. Get the oil back. Get the altar back. Get the Bible back. Amen? Our greatest challenge is to be convinced that we even need a revival. That's our biggest challenge. Many churches, like Leonard Ravenhill said, the main reason we're not having revival is because we're content to live without it. We're not willing to pay the price or pray the price. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. We've got to empty ourselves today. Chrissy, if you and your team want to come back to the altar, uh, I need a touch of God. How about you? 
I can't be the husband, the dad, the grandpa, the pastor I need to be if I'm full and have no need of nothing. So my prayer today, along hopefully with yours, is, Lord, empty me and fill me again. Would you stand with me and just say that? Lift your hand to the Lord. Say, Lord, empty me and fill me again. If you're at home, lift your hand to the Lord and say, empty me and fill me again. Empty me. Empty me. God's not impressed with fullness. He's impressed with emptiness. I'm blessed, but I need more. I'm not full. I'm empty. Fill my cup, oh Lord. Come on, lift your hands and worship this morning. The Bible says as long as she had a vessel to fill, the oil kept flowing. With every need was met. Every need was met. And the lady, I don't know if she ran out of room. I'm not sure what she ran out of. Ran out of neighbors. Ran out of vessels. But this I do know. She did it all by faith. She brought as much as she could. She went back to the man of God. And that tells me Elisha wasn't there when the miracle happened. God alone gets the glory. Amen. So Elisha said, go sell all of it. Pay your bills. Keep your kids. Keep your life and live for God. That's revival. The Lord has provided for all of it. The enemy's coming. Some of you are cluttered up. Your spirit is cluttered up with attitudes, wrong motives. Your life is cluttered with junk, selfishness, worldliness, indifference, bitterness, cluttering your soul. God's saying, empty yourself. And God, God's, God's saying, listen, I've got a God-sized supply of oil for you. Bring an empty vessel and I will fill it. The oil is valuable. Let's not limit God. The vessels are good. It's important. It's the oil that's valuable. So in this house are vessels of honor. In this house are vessels. You are the vessel. You are earthen vessels. And God wants to fill you today. These altars are open. The oil is valuable. We can't live without revival, Oak Grove. We can't live without revival, Oak Grove. The Lord has provided the oil. It's not a problem. The oil is more oil than you can get today. If I were you, I'd get under the spout where the glory of God is coming out. I would call out to God and say, Lord, empty me, empty me, empty me, empty me. God, there's too much of me in there and not enough of you in there. All I got is a little bit left, Lord. All I got is a little bit of ashes left, Lord. He can blow, the wind of God can blow on those ashes and create a fire. Every mom and daddy ought to be listening to me today. If your babies are watching you or grandbabies are watching you, you ought to get on fire. You better make a priority, number one. Your kids are watching you. If you want a revival in your house, you better start with you. It better start with you. Oak Grove, listen to me. Our leaders, listen to us. If we want our church to be full of the Holy Spirit and fire, then our leaders need to be full of the Spirit. Our teachers need to be full of the Spirit. Come on now. Empty me, Lord. Empty me, Lord. And fill me with your Spirit today. Maybe you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I invite you. Maybe at home you've never prayed in the Spirit. You've never prayed. And I invite you at home. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Tell Him, Lord, I need you. Come on, let's sing to the Lord. Let's worship. Turn this place in.